The question is where? Where's it gonna hit it's me? It's gonna hit you square in the pelvis. Pelvis whiskey. Butterscotch shenanigans. Hey everybody, welcome to Coffee with Butterscotch, the official podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. We're a three-brother video game studio, and this is our show. It's a show for fans of Butterscotch games and also for other independent game developers. Uh, I'm Seth. I'm Adam. And I'm Sam. And before we get started, we have a warning, which is that this show is not for childs. Get out. <laughs> get out, childs. <laughs> Children's childs, chids, kids, Go and children. Go back children's. to your room. Uh, <laughs> We're grounded. Go back uh, to the ball pit. Yeah, like, do, it's kinda, do kids even get grounded anymore? Is that even a thing? Do they even have ball pits anymore? Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. Kids don't have anything <laughs> anymore. <laughs> wait, wait, when did kids just have ball pits? <laughs> <laughs> Man, every, everybody's supposed to have a ball pit growing up. <laughs> uh, we're just, we're just so, one of those weird weirdo families that didn't have a ball pit. We didn't have the ball pit. The insurance is too expensive. You got to yeah. get your ball insurance. We did have a trampoline, though, which was conveniently located on top of some bricks, which was a poor choice. We had a trampoline on some bricks. We've got some stories about that trampoline, but I don't know if they're appropes to share with Well, all of them are pretty much include me being launched off at high speeds because you both were fat asses. Oh, yeah, that did that happened every time. I mean, relatively. You weren't actually fatties, but, you know. You yeah, were huge. You were monsters. So listen, Daddy guys. Enough. Listen, guys. We got some. We got some big news items. The first of which is Sam's sticky notes. All right, guys. I got a story. To tell. I don't know what this means. I don't so, know what that means. This is a surprise. So for the last two days, I've been super confused because I've been trying to write notes on my sticky notes. <laughs> That's and a good place to put your notes. <laughs> it is. It's a very good place. And there's been an issue, which is like the top, you know, quarter of the sticky note. Has been like unwritable. It's because it's sticky and, and you're writing on the wait, wrong side. <laughs> yeah. So, just wait, going, seriously? Yes. It's been happening for two days and then I tried to stick it on something today and I was like, what the hell? Like, the, the top of the sticky note doesn't work, neither does the bottom. I understand. And then I was in the grocery store carrying around a list of of grocery items and I put it inside my wallet. And so when I opened my wallet, the sticky note was stuck to the other side and I couldn't read. My grocery list. And I was like, I was like, oh my god! <laughs> how did you forget how sticky notes work, man? I was just—I've been in like a work mode. I've just been jamming. I don't think that's what happens when you get into a work mode. No, that's something just, else. The function yeah. of sticky notes just goes right out the window once the you function start working. of sticky notes elude you. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know, you've got—you've lost your taste for spicy food, also. I think, you know, I made just a, I made like seven pounds of chili also. I think it's the rabbit blood. It might be the rabbit blood. <laughs> Rabbits also can't tell which side of the sticky note. So a right quick, uh, for those who are fresh, freshman, first time freshy fresh listeners mm. of the podcast, Sam <laughs> went through a crazy elaborate stem cell transplant, which did involve him getting the the blood of a rabbit. The like so, condensed blood of a rabbit. The condensed like, white blood of a rabbit. It's probably like a thousand rabbits. I'm not sure. I yeah, you got to you got you got to really squeeze a lot of rabbits to yeah, get that ring much them cheese. out. You got to ring them out like a wet towel. And so but, Sam Sam has been experiencing some strange sensations. Yeah, ever so, since. So, uh, so this most recent one is besides the sticky note problem, which may just be a personal issue. I don't know if I blame it on 
cancer treatment. But it's definitely a personal issue. I can't imagine who else that would be a problem for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I also, I've been trying to make, you know, like a huge batch of food every Sunday. Uh, or at least basically whenever I run out of my other batch of, huge batch of food. And so I made approximately seven pounds of chili uh, last week. I and helped eat it. Seth's been helping eat it. But the thing was, it's gotten like, I feel like as as we've worked our way toward the bottom of the Tupperware that contains this chili, the level of inferno that is contained within the chili has increased because of, I don't know, settling of chili sediments or something. Oh, yeah, because the spice does float to the bottom. Right. Yeah. It's like, it that's how right floating works. <laughs> it turns into chili silt. Chili silt. Chilt. Chilt, which is extremely spicy. That's the worst. Are you sure you're just not becoming more sensitive to spiciness as time goes on? That may also be. Nope, it's definitely the case that this chili is chilting its way up to maximum spice power. Uh, I'm agree with Seth on this one. Also, we came up with a band name. Uh, no Days for Chili. No Days of Chili. No Days of Chili. The rival band is No Days for Chili. That's right. That's, one of them's an emo band, and the other is probably a folk folk parody band uh, which folk, one folk is the techno. emo band it's hard to tell because the folk parody band is so ironic about it uh, <laughs> they both sing the same songs right uh, also we have a so our second news item i don't quite understand but i'm just gonna read it it's in all caps and it says adam was gone and has gird <laughs> you read it exactly right i think it meant that he was gone and also he left to go <laughs> no it's gird is gastroesophageal reflux disease. Whoa, what? I didn't know this. Yeah, dude. Oh, I thought I'm that like, was just some random slapping yeah, at the keyboard. <laughs> we always we always put birds in things. We do, but that one's actually a real one. That's that's when I'm just like I'm refluxing like a fucking maniac. What? Wait, yeah. so explain what GERD is for so, me and also GERD, for listeners. GERD for GERD. Uh, apparently like a surprisingly humongous fraction of, of humans have it. I don't know if it's like an American thing because of our terrible diets Probably. or if it's a human thing because we're evolutionary disasters. Probably. But in any event, GERD is just, it's, it's reflux, right? But it's it's reflux as a disease, meaning you get it all the time because there's something fucked up about either your anatomy or how much uh, acid you're producing. And actually, in some cases, it's some sort of like a weird, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, immune problem like like your esophagus oh, immune thing yeah like your esophagus is getting inflamed all the time and it uh, as a consequence then like your muscles don't quite work right you know that kind of this thing this is fucking insane yeah and so it's super common actually um, our dad has it he had surgery to address it when he was like 40 or something oh um yeah but i got it now it's gotten real bad <laughs> so uh but i'm getting i'm getting an endoscopy in uh december got that scheduled today so are you in like fiery throat pain all the time I, like I have mean? a I have a sore throat literally 100 percent of the time. Fuck that! And when I eat stuff, so like there was a, a week, a couple weekends ago, I was basically just like sick, and I didn't know what was going on um, until the next day when I basically just had like really bad GERD, and then I realized it, and I looked up you know symptoms and stuff, and it was the day before. Uh, it was so bad that it, like went into all the other parts of the category where you have like nausea and all kinds of fun stuff. I feel like GERD is too like a it's too soft of a name. For it's this. too friendly. I know it needs but, to be called flaming throat volcano. <laughs> flaming yeah. throat volcano would be pretty. Well, the other thing that it does. So I got a sore. It isn't like I don't get a burning sensation, but I have a sore throat all the time. But the bigger problem is that, uh, especially now, because I'm kind of do. It's kind of doing it all the damn time. 
And so when I eat, I can just kind of like feel food to my throat all the time. Ow. It's just not working properly, you know? And so, so like in the past few months, it's now the case of like I drink coffee, which is warm. My throat feels warm for a while. Right? Weird. Which is what? weird. Yeah. And so, in any event, it's, you know, it's, it's gonna get it checked out. They're gonna put a tube down my throat, knock me unconscious, put a little video camera in there, you know, and like record stuff. And then they're gonna tell me what the next move is. Okay, listeners, if you have any goddamn empathy, you will buy 33 copies of Crashlands apiece. <laughs> so Adam can get his GERD fixed. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Sam's cancer is way worse than GERD. Yeah, but that's, hey, man, that's I don't have now. a sore throat all the time. I just have a mild pain in my skin randomly from time dude, to yeah. time. Well, Rash dude, and you had and like you had hiccups for like a day straight. That, that one was time. among the most terrible. Although, it doesn't sound that terrible. But, but it's like, more importantly, it did wear off after. It did wear off. But although, GERD actually, when I, the, so, so I was in no. Washington, D.C. this weekend was the other part of this of this thing. And the last time I was in D.C. was actually the last time it acted up really badly. For It must be because like I, my, my wife and I go out and eat like in a ton of places. And so we're just eating a lot of stuff that I haven't had for a while. My throat just like doesn't like it or whatever. Mm. Um, but the last time I went, I ended up, it also, because it can cause hiccup episodes as well. I ended up with a three-hour hiccup episode. And oh, I was damn. like, this must be what Sam felt like. It's all terrible, that isn't it? It is not great. But the, the weirdest part, though, is the next day when your diaphragm is sore. Yeah. Like, it's You're like, weird. Wow, I just worked out a muscle that shouldn't be able to be yeah. worked out. Yeah. yeah, but that's good, though, because you burned a lot of calories, you know? Exercise burns almost no calories. Yeah, but diaphragm exercise burns a shitload of calories. Yeah, it's just super hard to work huge. it out, is all. Diaphragm is huge. Yeah, you basically have to have a disease to work it out. Do you have a narrow window of opportunity where you can really take advantage of those calories, calorie yeah, burns? that's right. Speaking of diseases, you, you hit us with this, Adam, because you're the science man. I'll hit you with it. H- hit us with the bacon. <laughs> those, of you, those of you who read the news... Which, by the way, you should stop doing because it's stupid. That is bad for you and it's all lies. Yeah. But you may have noticed one of these lies is that bacon causes cancer now all of a sudden. And by all of a sudden, I mean, people have said that meat causes cancer for a long time. So I guess it's not really that sudden. But the WHO, which keeps a list of, of known carcinogens. carcinogens, meaning things that have been linked in a way that they consider conclusive uh, to cancer, no matter how loose the link, as long as it's significant and believable, then it goes on their list. So the lifetime risk of of colon cancer, something like 5%, which is actually kind of high, but it actually, like the median age when you get colon cancer is like 78 or something. So most people don't even live long enough to get colon cancer. You get a pretty good run in. Yeah, like you're, you're doing okay for the most part. It's, when a, it's an end game challenge, as yeah. we call it. <laughs> That's right. That's when you reach the raiding stage yeah. of life. Yeah, or it's like, it's a final boss kind of, kind of a situation. Yeah. But yeah, so the, the risk is about 5%. In medicine, they like to use a term they call relative risk, which is how much your risk has increased relative to what it used to be. So they'll say relative like, to the base, relative to baseline risk, right? So it'll be like so you're it's a, so they'll say a two hundred percent increase in risk, or you're two hundred percent more likely to get colon cancer or whatever. In this case, it was eighteen percent for for bacon, but the baseline probability is five percent, and so it takes you from five to six, which is a tiny amount. Like, a, mm. like actually a very tiny amount. And then further, this is assuming that they controlled for all the things they needed to to actually say it's bacon that does it. Because what the study claimed was that people who eat bacon, who eat two strips of bacon a day, have this which, extra Which, by the way, chance. is an incredibly small amount of bacon to eat for a, a single yeah. person. Who does that? 
That's a weird stamina game for a person just to be like, I'm going to eat exactly two slices of bacon every day of my whole life. Right? Every single day. Yeah. So anyway, there's going to be a fuck ton of noise in this data. So I don't know what it was they're controlling for. But the, but what it means, though, is that they were basically comparing people who don't eat bacon or don't eat it often at all to people who eat it all the time. Okay. Listen to though. I have a theory about this. Okay. Hit me. Okay. So would you say, Adam, that it is true that the worst thing you can do to increase your rate of of uh, colon cancer is to age? Yes, that is a fact. Well, no, that's not true. The worst thing you could do would be to put radioactive substances in your colon. <laughs> aside from aside from getting a uranium enema. <laughs> uranema. Would you say that aging is among the top things you can do? Well, I mean, as, as we just saw, aging is, is responsible for five-sixths, at, at least, uh, of all colon cancer development. And, and to be fair, on top of that, it's actually probably, if bacon does anything, it's bacon in conjunction with age. Well, what I was going to say, what if it's the case that bacon just makes you live longer? That's, and that's why you have you a go. higher risk of getting cancer. So the question is, did they control for that? I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know, but I need some bacon. I'll tell you what. (laughs) Me too. All this talk about two slices of bacon really makes me crave eating two slices of bacon every day for the rest of my life. What this comes down to is if you're reading that news and you're like, oh no, I better not eat this delicious thing that is a cornerstone of of being a a human. Quit doing that. Quit doing that. Just go, go back and start eating it. Like... The, the relative risk is, is doesn't even matter. Um, also, you get to eat bacon for like 50 years. Yeah, I years. think a good rule of thumb is anytime you read something in the news about health, just don't give a shit about it. Literally just ignore it. Well, you know, they and had this problem fine. with eggs, right? Because in like the 80s, maybe 80s or 90s, some big health report came out that it was like, eggs cause cholesterol to raise. And cholesterol yeah, they're like, yeah, don't eat too much cholesterol, right? And, and then yeah. just last year, they were like, oh, we looked at it again. Uh, just kidding. So we're taking Just back. kidding about that whole <laughs> egg right. thing. Yep. You know, that was like 25 years or something between that. And it affected people on a cultural level, I know, because there are a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of people who, especially like the United States, the United States and uh, Britain, I believe, especially like eggs in the morning is a thing. And the United States, like scrambled eggs. And in Britain, it's like, you have like, you have that one egg and there's like a little stand for it and like a tiny spoon or something. And a crumpet, I assume. That's disturbing to me that somebody can eat one egg. It is, And yeah. just stop at one. <laughs> yeah, you're one egg and you're two slices of bacon. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Seth, uh, I think you got something to share with regards to podcasts. Yeah, I don't know really what to say about this, but, but I'm going to say it anyway. Give it the old butterscotch thumbs up. I started listening to a philosophy podcast called You've Got It All Wrong. And uh, the reason I started listening to this is because I'm totally not into philosophy. I took a philosophy course when I was a, a uh, what do you call it, a newbie in college. That's the surest way to not like philosophy. Yeah. And in my philosophy course, the professor slapped a chair down in the middle of the room and he's like, is this a chair? What is this? Is this a chair? And we're like, yeah, that's a chair. And he's like, but is it still a chair when nobody's sitting in it? And we're like, yes. <laughs> and he was like, if nobody even knows that this chair exists, is it still a chair? We're like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that chair looks like it just doesn't give a fuck. So, <laughs> that, <yeah. laughs> that chair gives no shits about what we think about it. It's yeah. still just going to be a chair. It's just dude, it's but apparently thing. that's the wrong answer. Um, in fact, nobody knows what the answer is. So what they're doing there is they're, is they're confusing 
defining a thing and what a thing actually is, right? Yeah. Because what a thing actually is, is doesn't matter. Philo- yeah, it doesn't matter. That's <laughs> like that's an interesting philosophical thing to talk about, though, right? The fact that it doesn't actually matter because all that matters is what to us is what we can perceive about stuff, which means all that matters to us is just how we define things. Before this sure. gets super deep into philosophy, I would like to interject. Do my, it. My freshman year philosophy class story. Do which it. Which is this awesome British teacher, this British woman with a short curly haircut. And she comes into class, we're talking about uh, pain and causing things pain. And I remember she said, if you slap a horse and you slap a baby, <laughs> it's not the same thing. And I was like, yes, this is is a brand of philosophy I can get behind. Plus, plus that's demonstrably true. I'm imagining now every course was just a debate about whether or not slapping thing A or thing B (laughs) is the same thing. If you slap one hand with your other hand. Is it still a slap? Is that clapping? (laughs) If a baby claps, is it the same as if a man claps? (laughs) If a man has the clap, is that the same as... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that the same as clapping? If you high-five a man, are you clapping or are you slapping two hands together? <laughs> we'll never know. The world will never know. Is it a, is it a high-five or a two-person clap? Is it, a hi- <laughs> is it a high-five if it's only three feet off the ground? How high must it be for it to be a high-five? Philosophy. <laughs> so anyway, so this is a philosophy podcast. It's called, you know, that it's called- actually sounds a lot like user, like U- UI design. You know, yeah, or just like arbitrary, like where exactly should this thing be so that it's like right where the user wants it to be. And their answer is it doesn't fucking matter doesn't because the user matter. is never gonna see it. That's the that's how UI design uh, works. Man. There's this interesting thing called attentional blindness, which, uh, which is basically when as a as a play. This is especially true in games. When you're playing a game, you tend to. As a human being, our point of focus of our vision is really tiny. Three degrees. And we see absolutely nothing outside of the thing that we're focusing on. And so when it comes to UI design, you can make the best damn UI in the universe, but nobody's ever going to see it. Uh, so we had a we had a play test of Crashlands this, this yesterday. This, this yesterday. Yester- <laughs> this eve. And uh, it went great. I don't know, Sam. Do you want to say some things about it before I go into some some stuff? My fiance played it for like four. She doesn't play games much. I should just preface this with that. Um, she played it for a good four hours uh, and fifteen minutes, and then couldn't sleep because she was thinking about it. And then woke me up earlier th- earlier than usual so that she could kick me out of bed so I could go work on it so she could play it more. So <laughs> it went very well, uh, but there were a lot of I mean, we found a lot of really interesting things. I think one of the ones that Seth's getting at is that we had this really funny moment happened. We're talking about, about about dialogue and reading things in this game because there is a lot of dialogue. I mean, it's it's a questing system. There's a story system, and we don't do the shortcut thing that you know your typical MMO does. We approach it more more along the lines of of something either like uh, like Skyrim or like you know Zelda, anything where there's actually story, and they don't give you they don't just sort of paraphrase all of it at the end so that you have a nice little easily packaged tidbit we make you kind of work for it so you know you have to figure out where to go and who to talk to um and that's very very purposeful so that the world feels more like a world and less like a game we didn't want to have a laundry list style questing system 
right? right. So if you if you talk to somebody and they're like, oh man, I got this big thing going on, and like these these two wampets, one of them is named Jerry, and the other is named Steve, and they totally rampaged through my picnic and murdered my best friend, and uh, I'd just feel real good if those wampets were dead. And right. uh, so for you, that means go find these two wampets and dispatch them, dispose dispose of them anyway. Right. Uh, so instead of instead of then displaying a check mark like kill Jerry zero out of one, and then when you kill him it checks up, uh, we just we just have the text there available for you, and it's there for you to sort of determine what to do. Well, the interesting thing happened where we you know Diana was giving us a bunch of feedback about my fiance was giving us a bunch of feedback about the story delivery, um, because she found herself actually very quickly actually reading all of the stuff, which again for her uh, not playing games is a thing and then also she doesn't like to to like be forced to read when she's playing games whenever she does so this was a very surprising sort of turn of events but when we asked her she made the comment that she had a hard time figuring out who was talking during some of these dialogue sessions because oftentimes you're close together and so the the moving of the dialogue boxes is kind of uh, not far enough to really be very obvious and at some point in this we came up with a few other ways to do it and uh and we told her those, and she was like, "Oh, great, yeah." She's like, I've, I've, "I don't know who what anybody's name is," and Seth and I are like, <laughs> "Right, we're like, even though the name what? is right at the top of the dialogue box, right, yeah. exactly." Um, <laughs> and we're like, "Yeah, the, the name's right there." She's, she's like, "What? It is, you know." Um, <laughs> so it's part of the thing, and, and part of the thing is you want you want the UI to not be memorable in a lot of ways. You want it to be like a tool that you just use, kind of like how if I asked you where all the buttons are in your car. Or even actually where all the buttons are on your keyboard. This is an interesting thing. Um, there's been plenty of studies that show that most people can only accurately place about 14 letters on a keyboard, despite the fact that they can type at like a rapid, a normal. You mean rapid you mean if they're like looking at a picture of a keyboard, trying to like tell you where the keys are? Right. Yeah. Listen, just, Sam. But you could. But so this is like a you know. But it's you impl- could type implicit them knowledge, right? You could yeah. type them all. Your as fingers a, know. As a former enhancement shaman with 37 totems, all hotkeyed. I can I can put every goddamn key on that keyboard <laughs> for oh, sure. sure. You can yeah. to the max, one hundred thirty three percent. Yeah, you're not in the middle of the distribution though. But anyway, so we got we got a bunch of really good playthrough notes. I think we already fixed up nearly all the things that we found. Um, games just getting better and better, and we're closing in. That's all I'm gonna say about it. We're closing in. We're closing in. Let's move uh, on to questions. Let's do it. Questions. These questions come from podcast.bscotch.net uh, These are submitted by Bscotch ID users. Uh, it's technically possible to submit them anonymously, but so far nobody's ever done that. We had so, one once, I believe. No, we, we did. did. Did it get Very answered or deleted? On. I can't remember. I think it got answered. Yeah, but it was probably a nobody who submitted it, so I'm still going to say that nobody's ever submitted an anonymous <laughs> yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah, sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. This question number one comes from Mia Kitty. Everyone keeps asking about your favorite games, but what's the worst game you've ever played, and why is it the worst? Oof. You want to ruffle some feathers? You want to ruffle gotta, some We gotta be careful with this one. <laughs> the worst game I've ever played. Well, here's the... I think the problem with this question is that the worst game I've ever played, probably I wouldn't even consider it to be a game. Okay, what about this? How about this? The, so it the, doesn't really count, I'm going to put extra constri- constraints in this. The worst... Uh, it's probably launched, gonna be published. Yeah, yeah, published game on Steam that you have played. Yeah, oh, shit. Just, Let me open up my Steam library. I don't even know. <laughs> let's just narrow this. Let's just narrow this down. Um, 
It's hard to actually say. Okay, so for me, the games basically fall into the very, very rare, really good category, right? And then a really broad, like, okay category where in many of those games in the okay category, I, I could like, depending on how good the hooks are and stuff, I could play them for a long time, even if they're kind of medium. And, but many of the other ones I can only play for a few minutes. I can be like, oh, this game's okay. But then I just still stop playing it after that. I'll just talk about a game experience that I had that was completely Sure, terrible. do it. So I'm sure many of you are familiar with the game Pillars of Eternity. No, which... no I actually haven't played that game. I, so it's got, it has, it just crossed like the half a million sales mark. Shit, what's it, sell, what's it sell for? It's like 20 bucks or something. It's crazy. Yeah. So, okay, maybe, tell, maybe tell us more. about this game. What kind of a bucks. game is this? It's a, it's one of those, basically it's an, it's a classic RPG. And what that means is that you like, you know, you highly, highly customize your character up front. There's tons of numbers about tons of different stats that I have zero idea what they mean. And they just yeah. don't really tell you. And then the uh, it's a top down. You're running around, and it's you're sort of you know taking part in this enormous epic story. And because it won so many awards and stuff, I was like, oh shit! You know this must be a broadly applicable thing. So I hop into it, and I make some little like midget goblin looking character. It looks nice. Like, that's the best. It looked like a kind of like Gizmo, I guess from uh, yeah from Gremlins. One of my favorite characters of all time. Gremlins. Right. So I make one of these guys and then I play through the first probably hour and I find myself alone after a part of the story has happened. My my party mates have disappeared and I have to make it to this town and there's a bandit camp sort of, you know, on the way. And all I want to do, there's only two bandits and I'm like, okay, clearly I have a few moves. If I can just do this correctly, I should be able to kill them. Uh, and this is, you know, within the first hour of the game. It should be that hard. <clears throat> and I died. I just died repeatedly trying to kill these bandits. And I couldn't figure out what. I was just like, what? There's just actually no way for me to fight this group of people who was right on the path where, when I was alone to go to, like, the major city. Yeah, man. Not with that attitude. <laughs> Negative Nancy. And But, I like, I played this. I was, it was so annoying as a first-time player because I was like, I don't know what. There's tons of tons of numbers as far as like i can tell there's depth to the game but the the onboarding into the game was so non there's no onboarding i guess is probably what the problem was so i didn't yeah. know you know I, my assumption is now that i should have sort of just raced to the town passed everything and absorbed as many party members as i could and then come back and kill bandits or something but of course you know I didn't do that. So. Failed. I mean, I would agree that any any of those games that are that are really con- and I, I think we actually talked about this in a previous episode uh, about there's this kind of mistake that a lot of people seem to make. Although I, I guess people like it apparently, but uh, but this idea that complexity is necessarily a good thing in games, like uh, the or, or that complexity equals content. Right. Mm, yeah. So yeah, you can have a hundred impenetrable stats that. That, yeah, as you become literally an expert in the game from dumping in time and tweaking stuff and whatever, that eventually you'll maybe have a rough idea of what all those stats do. EVE Online. EVE Online. Yeah, right. But, you know, unless you really have to, because it's like an essential aspect of of how the game just has to be for some reason, it's a bad choice. That's a bad design strategy. Yeah, but, so, I mean, obviously the game's doing well, and it, it, it caters yeah. to a particular market. They did a Kickstarter and everything, and it's it's led by a bunch of industry vets, so it's, like, a, a big deal project, but I was just, I was upset, because I was like, I want to get into this, honestly. 
because everyone's sort of clamoring about it, like the storytelling so good and just the mechanics are so good once you have a grip on them but it's just a slippery slippery right. oiled pig of a game as far as <laughs> gripping those mechanics go. oiled pig of a game yeah that is, that is a particular genre though that kind of is uh notorious for yeah. that yeah yeah um, well i'll say i'll say my worst, worst gaming experience. game experience so i'm gonna actually take this in a different direction kind of which is i'm going to say the game that i played that was the worst experience relative to my expectations mm, okay sure that's kind of what mine was too though yeah, yeah for me that was bioshock infinite Ah, uh, yeah Yep. So this this fucking game won award after award for narrative and all kinds of other stuff. And apparently it's only like a 12-hour game. Uh, I played it for two hours. And the, the actual, the core gameplay of it was so unbelievably mundane. At no point, I was, I was playing it on the, on the normal difficulty. You know, they ask you at the beginning what you want to do. Easy, normal, hard, or you know, insane. And I was like, well, normal. I never played it before. So sure. Normal. Uh, but the, the combat was so mundane when you strafe, you move so slowly that you actually just can't avoid anything. <laughs> and so, and so you, for the most part, you just kind of get shot in the face repeatedly whenever you're fighting people. And it doesn't even matter. You just kind of live through it. Uh, you can one shot people with fireballs and, and uh, generally speaking, the com- at no point in the combat did I feel threatened or like I was risking anything or pulling any kind of interesting maneuver. It was kind of like I was just going through the motions to move to the next part of the story, mm, which right. is definitely the kind of the core of the game is the narrative. But uh, yeah, I just I put, I put two hours in and then I was like, yeah, I'm kind of kind of done with this. And then I stopped. So hmm. Adam, what about you? I actually can't think of of a particular one i mean you know the the nature of a bad game is that you abandon it immediately and never think about it again right uh and in terms of like there hasn't really been a game that that i had high expectations for and then was hugely disappointed mostly because uh i i i, I just i've never believed that what other people that the values that other people have for stuff especially entertainment media is going to line up with my own. So just anytime somebody says something is good or bad, I'm like, oh, who knows? We'll just see what it is when I play it. You're such a scientist. (laughs) Yeah, there there is that. But I will (laughs) say, though, that nearly every single mobile game experience I've had was complete garbage. Mm. Now, there's not a particular case of this or anything else. It's but it's uh, the game design. Well, strategy, you, it's it's so non-memorable. How could you even it's name so, it? Exactly. Yet? That's exactly it. It's 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 very non-memorable. And but especially because you know it, the that industry is dominated by uh, by games that have very tight loops and and are designed to 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 feed on ad- addictive behaviors, right? But that's literally all they do. And coming into it as a game designer, you can just see it. Like you're playing the game, you're like, yeah, they're trying to get me to spend money constantly, mm-hmm. right? It's very obvious. And that's the only part of the game that actually exists. The rest is just some some fluff that usually isn't even very good. I mean, you know, the best well, example. It's like are, cookie clicker. Yeah, it's like cookie clicker. With right? some microtransactions jammed in there. <laughs> right. right. Although cookie clicker, I enjoyed playing. That's because it's fucking awesome. <laughs> That one though, like it distilled the essence of what it means for a thing to be a game, right? Mm-hmm. A video and, game. 
a video game. And, uh, and so, but in, in covering that as a game designer, it was like kind of fun because you could play it and be like, I know exactly what they're doing here, but it still works. It's like almost like the placebo effect, right? Where you can know that a thing is not real, but it still has an effect on you. But at the same time, you're like, I am literally converting pure light into 1.3 billion cookies per second. <laughs> right. So I don't even give a right. shit. Yeah. There's something about still the epic about it, but most mobile games though are, are still missing that component. Like they, they lose the epic aspect. But yeah. It's just overall my, my experience on mobile everything has on been mobile. not everything. There's, there's definitely good stuff on there. That um, does remind me though, for, for those of you who are listening, who are game developers, check out cookie clicker because yeah, this game sort of lays bare the absolute purest essence of what it means for something to be a video game just do it just play it enjoy it it's just loops on loops loops on loops all right let's hit the next one from alan mb you missed one oh right let's hit the next one (laughs) from christian we spent so long on that when i forgot we were only on the first two or three questions you almost got colon cancer from age i I increased my risk colon cancer by 33 percent probably just by reading that question uh christian st Clair asks how do you settle any creative differences you might have when working on a project question Uh, mark we fill a pillowcase through full of bricks Batteries. I use batteries. Bat- Seth uses batteries. I use bricks. Adam, I believe. I use plutonium nuggets. Yeah, so he's got a slight edge. Plut yeah. nugs, he calls but only, them. He's only got <laughs> plut <a> nugs. S- <laughs> Adam shoves his pillowcase full of plut nugs, and then we... <laughs> you know, he's taking kind of the long-term strategy of giving us all cancer slowly. Yeah. Um, but then we beat each other with said pillowcases until one remains victorious. And that's how you. That's how you. So do. let me let me ask you guys. Let me ask you gents something. What I've never really felt like what we do is that creative. I feel like we run into these weird problems, and we just we each of us comes at it from a different angle. Are you wanting to discuss the philosophy of creativity? But this is the funny thing because I think what you're actually doing is just defining creativity. Yeah. So I mean, to and me, creativity. Saying, I don't think is, we're being creative. I think what we're doing is definition of creativity but i think we know what he's talking about sure yeah uh but whenever we come up with ideas we just kind of so so let's talk about the game jam sure we all had some ideas about what to do our theme was mercenary our element was elevator and first thing so we started talking and my suggestion was i was like let's just let's just sort of do a cop-out maneuver and we'll just have some kind of a level-based game where the way that you move between levels is you move up and down an elevator. Like, that's how you transition. Uh, Therefore, it solves the problem of needing an elevator. And then Sam jumped in and he was like, what if you're the elevator? Right. And that that was not my idea, but I was like, yep, that's what that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna be the elevator. So... What's your point, Sith? I don't know. I guess I guess it's just <laughs> I think it's just more that each of us is very willing to abandon an idea. When we're in the brainstorming phase for like a project, then that's absolutely true, right? Uh, but once we start getting entrenched in stuff, then that becomes less true. And, and I think for me, the obvious uh, examples that come to mind are uh, actually the probably the, the easiest example that comes to my mind is we ended up having a three-hour discussion about how creatures are killed in crash lands oh yeah oh yeah and this 
was like a year ago. And it was basically because this was like right, right after I joined, I, I worked for like two weeks. Um, and then I went to St. Louis for a week or two or something. And we just like worked, worked our asses off. I was like trying to get myself integrated into the company. So I came in there and I was like, you know, I was playing the shit out of Crashlands and like trying to get back up to speed. And there was this aspect of, of Crashlands that I don't think actually people really saw in the public because it was before the, the alpha even. Thank God. Which was, yeah, thank God. Which was that when you, that you didn't, <laughs> that you would, uh, when you would go out to like fight a creature, you would, we, there was this whole like radial menu system where you would have potentially multiple ways of interacting with all the stuff out there. Well, way. yeah, that, this is the way you interacted with everything. Yeah, with everything. It was very so. Similar. So with creatures, you would basically you would fight them just like you normally do. When they got down to zero health, they wouldn't die. Instead, they would sit there cowering in this really like sad way. And then you would tap them again, and it would pull up a radial menu and give you options. Now those oh options were. Oh my god! Were, this was so awful. The, the, the options were only uh, f- like final killing blow, and and then if you had a taming item, because the taming system was very different then than it is now. Then it would, then that would also appear, and then you could tame, you could try to tame the thing instead. So we had this large discussion because I came in and I, like I, I was playing this and I was like, why the fuck is it like this? Like this is, it just, this feels bad. It makes me feel really guilty. Well, because the creature would sit there, basically <laughs> like, literally weeping. Cowering. Yeah, and then you would like do the final blow and kill it, and then it would like splatter into blood. We actually, we also we took out the blood even too. Right? <laughs> it but was amazing. It was like it was just it so was amazing for its brutality. <laughs> it was so brutal, and I was like, and at the time I was like, why and. And and I think the idea like that that you guys had had was you wanted the player to feel like they were like they were having to kind of make a choice about doing this like that they had to feel the fact that they had made a choice. I think I think this was back when you guys were playing that fucking zombie game um, from uh, Telltale. Left for Dead or no, yeah. not Left for Dead. Walking <laughs> Dead. Walking Dead. We have better drifted this. <laughs> you drifted in, You drifted bit. into the feel zone or something. I want I you know. to get depressed whenever uh, you can. Exactly. <laughs> also known as the indie zone. The indie zone. And so, so I remember because I, I played this and I was like, "This is this is bad. This is not okay. That that this is how it's happening." But both Sam and Seth at the time like really didn't like couldn't see it that way. I'd been executing animals for months at that point. I was completely callous. <laughs> He'd become a sociopath basically at that point, <laughs> and you're just like, "Whatever. I'm just going to slaughter these poor, defenseless, cowering animals." Yeah, who gives a shit? What's the <laughs> who problem? gives a fuck? <laughs> and uh, and so like we just had this long discussion where like we're not we're. Sam and Seth couldn't, they just couldn't see why it was, why I thought it was such a problem. And I couldn't get them to see why it was such a problem. And I couldn't see why it was, like, I mean, we were just completely opposed uh, on that thing. Well, for us, it was a mechanical issue where our our answer was, you need to be able to decide whether to kill it or tame it. Right. And so there needs to be a temporary state where after you've defeated the creature, where it is basically waiting for you to make that decision. And right. so, so the the natural state for that was the creature is basically it's it's fatally wounded and it's laying on the ground, <laughs> it's laying on the ground shivering and looking really really sad, waiting for you to decide its fate. Yeah, uh, and, I mean, and the fact is that even now, like, so so my wife was also playtesting it last night, and and we've added so very recently we added to the, the info stream is like the little messages that pop up every time you do something in the game, so you can like see what it was that you just did. And we just added to that recently uh, that it that it says when you've killed a creature because otherwise in the game you don't really see the names of stuff. It wanted to make sure that you like felt like you knew what all the animals were called and that kind of thing. And so like so the wampets, the first creatures you see, the smallest ones are called wampet runts. They're super cute, right? You break them like a pinata to get their goods out so you can use it to craft stuff. Ended up with a little feed. It says wampet runt dies, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> and it just like sounds kind of sad. The, the first time, my, the first time Jenny saw that, she was like, "Oh, like like." I feel like her, maybe we should have made call her them sad. <laughs> no, they used to be called calves. I don't know how to get around this. How kids, babies? I got okay, guys. I got a great idea. I got a great idea. Wait, we'll call, we don't what? worry about the name, man. Just alright, bro. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is bro, man. What's up, Come dude? On, buddy. Don't worry about the name. Just say that it fainted. Like in Pokemon. It fainted and then exploded into a blood <laughs> into a blood or, smear. Or we could just it, let's just have a new verb. We'll call it it pinyatad. Pinyatad. It pinyatad. I think I think the name is the problem. If we don't call them runts, if we just said so if the base level ones are wampit, and then the, instead of calling the adult ones, it's like there's heifers and there's bulls, right? Right. So if we just say wampit and then we're like enlarged wampit or Enlar- some crap like that. <laughs> Swollen wampet, you know. <laughs> then it's not. It's not like, oh, I just killed a baby. Yeah. So that's already kind of sad anyway, because you're killing this thing, right? Um, you're killing a baby, cute and whatever. But now, like, for those of you who are listening to this, when you play the game, I just want you to imagine the moment you're about to kill this creature. That instead of you just like killing it because you're fighting it for your life, you know. But imagine now instead, the creature stops fighting you and starts literally bawling its eyes out. And your your weapon actually disengages for a moment, so you have yeah. to re-click so on have them to, to murder them. Yeah, and like- we, <laughs> we had a thing where when you decided to kill the creature, instead of just hitting it like normal, you did this <laughs> you did this flying leap through the air, and then you cr- came down on it like a fucking meteor. And oh, man. It. That was the best. <laughs> to be fair, actually, at this point, all I know is that we had a long discussion about that. And it, it never got heated, but definitely we got agitated off and on. But it's mostly because of a lack of understanding from either direction. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, Seth and I are both like, the fuck? I don't get the problem. What's yeah, the problem? They're just like, this seems fine. I don't really understand <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> but I think, I think the so uh, the way we settle our creative differences is basically just by arguing for hours, I guess, is the it, it, that, that is probably It literally the is. But it I think usually the, doesn't take hours, though. No, it usually takes just a few minutes. It did at first, I think, when, when all three of us... We're just mm-hmm. kind of getting started as a three-person team, for yeah. sure. Well, and, and every once in a while, somebody comes up that we that we end up just having to argue about because we're we come from different sides. Because it, right. it is it is true that almost on every issue we come at it from different sides, but in all cases, uh, we all approach it rationally. So if somebody gives a, a better argument for that side, then we just like okay, that sounds good, right? We we try not to we try not to put too much like personal value on the thing or something. It's only in the case where we have like. Like literally opposing, like deeply held beliefs about something. This this happens every once in a while, and I, I, yeah. I mean, I guess the, probably the most recent example is opening the recipes. Well, so I was actually going to use today. that. Yeah. I was going to yeah. use that as an example, though. To me, that actually is not a deeply held belief because Sam and I were like, "Well, we kind of like this thing, but honestly, we don't give a crap." <laughs> right. well, but that wasn't true at first, though. We talked about it a lot for that being your baseline state. Well, no, we just were explaining why it was there, but with right. no real emotional attachment to it. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah. I I think, you know, I tend to get pretty heated in arguments about stuff, but then I'll quickly get heated on the other side of the argument if I change my mind. So I'm just, yeah. you're just, I'm just a fireball. Hot. I'm just hot. Coming in hot like a meteor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but we do we do a good job of uh, of keeping it about the thing we're arguing about. Yeah, but like... The, Adam, yeah. you have terrible ideas. This is yeah, a terrible it's like, idea. It's like the worst thing we'll say, and, and, and I have said this on, on those occasions, is is like is just sort of exasperatedly, I just don't understand 
where you're coming from, right? Because right. that that's the point we end up at in the worst case scenario where we just like, we really can't quite figure out why the other person sees it that way. But we just talk it out and then eventually we get to the other side and everything's fine. And, and often it is just like, as long as one party doesn't feel as strongly, then the other one, then the other one just kind of like, it's like, okay, I guess this is fine. Yeah, it's, I think we also tend to, I mean, we tend to move towards synthesis too. As, as yeah. opposed to it's most not, of the, it's most of the time, yeah, yeah. It's not usually like Adam will say something, Seth will say something, and I'll say something, and then Adam and I will basically, you know, be like, oh, I guess Seth, you know, Seth will just kind of <laughs> right. power over us. We kind of yeah. we, we usually argue, be in the middle somewhere. Yeah, we'll argue, and then we basically pick the best things from each one. Yeah, well, I think respect has a lot to do with this. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I mean, Seth. if I, you fucker, if, if each <laughs> if each of us thought that the other two were idiots then settling creative differences would basically amount to each of us thinking, I can't let these idiots decide what's about to happen with this game because they're idiots. Right. Right. Uh, but because each of us sort of has a pretty good uh, respect for the other's, you know, intellect and ideas and reasoning uh, and ability to reason, then I think there's the capacity for us to become exasperated at each other is actually pretty limited. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and it is true that for most most decisions that we make um, are, any, are either things that we've sort of just kind of coalesced into and just kind of all agree on, or it's, it's somebody that basically something that somebody unilaterally decided to do that the other two were just like, that sounds fine. Or, uh, or because it was a kind of an issue that even if we disagreed, we, we, we agreed that it, that it, that that particular thing wasn't so essential that we had to do what we thought was right. Right. If that kind of, because, because there actually, there there are a lot of aspects of game design where, uh, especially how, how the game like interacts with the player where it's got to feel exactly right. Cause otherwise people won't play it. Right. And so those are the things we tend to have the most heated discussions about, but a lot of like mostly their stuff, like, you know, like some particulars of color choices and UI design and creature design, some of the interactions that uh, are happening between things in the game, that kind of stuff. Like there are a lot of, we, we all know that there are a lot of basically roughly equal alternatives that are probably all fine. And there might be something that each right. one of us prefers, but we still know that any one of them is really probably fine. So the most interesting thing here, though, is that the the art creation is one of the few things like that you can just look at as a third party and then give an opinion on. Yeah. Um, whereas code, obviously, I can't just look at Adam's server code he's been working on for three weeks and be like, oh, no, you need to put that in red. <laughs> right. That's happened. So right. um, we have had to settle out sort of how to work really effectively on the art side so that all of us maintain that level of uh, autonomy. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's comical because you know, there's been, there's so many items in Crashlands that's ridiculous. Um, and if we had to go through committee planning for each one of them uh, at all, it would be, it would it, have, it already took two years to yeah, make all those things. It would have taken four times as long. And well, so, and, and actually, yeah. So, there, so there's, there, there's a mutual respect we have for each other, but the biggest thing actually, what it comes down to is that, for us, the the main, the absolute primary metric that we all have for what the right choice is, anytime there's a, there's something that we need to choose, is what we think is going to be best for the player experience. Right. And the fact is, like, and since we're that, since that's like, n- none of us want to be right. That's not the goal ever in in these discussions. Uh, it's the, it's just what's the best player experience. And it turns out that in most cases, when you use that as the metric for what's the right thing to do, you'll end up at the same answer. Yeah, well, and I think I think there's another another important way to approach that is if if one person has a bad time with something, then that's a problem, right? Yeah. So right. so if all three of us play 
you know, do a playthrough of the game. And one of us is like, yeah, this particular thing really pissed me off. <laughs> right. Uh, then it doesn't really matter if it didn't piss off the other two people. Yeah, because there's a good chance that a large fraction of exactly. players will right. feel the same way. I think it's actually probably one of the really important reasons why just having having two people and then having three people and bringing, you know, bringing that third person on the team actually has increased the quality of our games a lot because we have that third sort of triangulation point of, oh, is this good? Is this bad? How do you feel about yeah, it? Yeah, and actually, yeah, that's exa- I think that's exactly right. It's when you have... Because if you take a hundred people, right, and have them go do a thing, then no matter how that thing is done, you know, five to ten of those people are going to hate it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but it's actually more than that. Like, in, the the smaller the testing pool you look at, the the more like, and, and also the more similar the people are in the testing pool, right? So if like, especially Sam and Seth, uh, because they worked so long together before I even joined, uh, more so probably than me coming in have sort of coalesced on looking at a lot of things actually the same way now when it comes to game design and that kind of thing um and that's not always true like any, any given thing some pair of us agree and one disagrees you know but but it's still probably it seems to me that more of the time it's sam and seth like feel pretty good about a thing and then i get like i'm irate about it <laughs> right because <laughs> because we have because they've kind of coalesced on a on a a way of looking at stuff and, and mine still comes in differently and so every time you add somebody else and this, i mean this is the real value of beta testing Mm-hmm. a game it's like once the game like once you think it's done and then you send a hundred or a thousand or whatever players through it so you can find all of the little things about the game that drive 10% of people nuts because if it's 10% of people the, between the three of us the chances of us finding or like you know noticing that are low right but if it's 10% of people and our game goes out to 500,000 if we're as we're hoping <laughs> right everything goes out to a fuck ton of people and then 50,000 people are pissed about something that is not good. That's a right? big problem. That's a big problem. We don't want to answer those emails. I'm not going to answer those emails. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and, and of course, like <laughs> I'll leave that it, to you guys. Yeah. Well, right. Uh, but it's not realistic, of course, to expect that we're going to like satisfy 100 percent of people. That's literally impossible. But anything, anything where there's just kind of an obvious, you know, knee jerk kind of I hate that response or whatever uh, to UI design or some sort of player experience issue, if we can find it and it's like you know, taking it out or changing it to make it even more broadly acceptable is an easy option, then that's always the right thing to do. Right. So always, always. option. I think we got time to hit one more. Well, we got to hit this one because it's so great. Yeah. Uh, this is by Alan MB. It stands says, for a medical doctor, but he's a, bo- mm. he's a doctor. He got he's his doctor of medicine. He got his MB. He's a doctor of medicine. Uh, if the apocalypse came and you three bros had to survive together, would you rather sacrifice one of you for food or share the pain by each just chopping off a body part? And why? Smiley face. Assuming those are the only two <laughs> options in an apocalypse scenario. Do we have which... to make that assumption? Let's just start with that assumption. Let's start with that assumption. Okay. Wait a minute. I feel like this question is sort of hypocritical because it says if you three bros had to survive together... Would you sacrifice one of you for food? I feel like that sort of isn't the you three mean of it's us surviving together. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a paradox. <laughs> okay, well, let's just start with the assumption, though. Sam, go ahead. Right. So, with the assumption that we, for some reason, I would say it's less an apocalypse situation, more like we're trapped in a brick underground cavern. Uh, it's a brick brickopolypse. And we have to survive brick. for, let's say, uh, three weeks somehow. 
before we can escape. In that case, I probably actually wouldn't eat anybody or anything. Because <laughs> you can survive for like three weeks without food, so yeah. that's cool. But well, if I, I would that, definitely eat you guys because I have a certain daily protein requirement. You do have a high daily protein. Seth would need to keep getting his gains, so I'd probably have to sacrifice at least one of my legs <laughs> for his gains. For my gains. Well, here's here's an important uh, practical question, which is really it is about Sam. So Sam right now has someone else's immune system. So here's the question. If we were to eat Sam, would it be equivalent to eating two people and therefore twice as morally bad? Or would it be equal to only eating half of a brother? And uh, eating a brother would certainly be, you know, worse than eating somebody else. So that if we we're just to take, you know, the the uh, the linear combination of half brother times or plus uh, half random rando who we don't give a fuck about. Right? Well, yeah, I mean, rando. Well, man, I care. A lot Rando about that Jones. <laughs> well, okay, right. Obviously, we love that guy for helping Sam not be dead. Like that's. that's but at the same fantastic. time, he's a complete stranger, so fuck him. He's a he's a complete stranger, and we're in an apocalypse <laughs> situation right now. All right. Okay. So, we can't think in those terms. <laughs> we can't think in those terms. So, so is Sam now equivalent to a double moral hazard to, if we're going to eat him, or half. or a half? Well, I think the answer to that is that my bones. The bone marrow in my bones would be twice as tasty because I have two people in my bones. So two whole people in. Although, your bones. won't it basically all be that other guy by the time that's all that process? It probably done? already is. Oh, so then here's. Oh, I have the solution. We will have to become vampires. We will drink only Sam's drink Sam's marrow. blood. Uh, just just blood, like blood, oh, blood, okay. plenty nutritious. We'll be fine. So we'll just we'll drink Sam's blood, and then it'll actually be somebody else's. But and it I doesn't said, even. It's, just, about it's like me? a loophole. <laughs> it's a loophole. Well, we won't drink all of it. Like we'll just drink enough to. Stay but I mean, alive. you're saying it's someone else's blood, but I'm the one making it. So whose blood does Sam drink? Well, is well, the question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, okay. We'll all drink each other's blood in a in a triangle. Okay. Like a perpetual. I feel like that would sort of make of, us break even. <laughs> blood drinking and then whoever dies first is just the one that had the weakest system and then that would be that person would be okay to eat <laughs> okay so what okay so yeah we could just have a contest whoever just dies first gets eaten <laughs> is now food that seems like a reasonable that yeah. sounds like a fair contest I but guess. i mean can, can you that. can you interfere or is this just like letting them die or natural we're causes moving, okay sure. <laughs> we're gonna move into brother murder if, <laughs> if you die of unnatural causes then your murderer gets eaten and you get oh. to be revived by their soul. Yeah. Wait, but then wouldn't you be the murderer because you'd be revived by their soul? So then the murderer wins twice by eating somebody? Or they're a double moral Yeah, hazard. it's a pretty complicated rule set, but I think we can make it work. It sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like a game that we can make. <laughs> trapped in a room. <laughs> trapped in a room. It's, an, it's not an MMO per se, because there's only three of you. But, so you uh, have, it's, maybe it's like the, the prisoner's dilemma. Right. You know, but there's three of you and you have to figure out so each of you could take the easy route, which is to kill another one in order to eat them, but everybody gets to make one choice about who to kill slash what to do. And if everybody just decides to drink each other's blood, then it'll be fine. <laughs> then you then you form a blood circle and everybody. Then you form a blood circle. circle. You each jam a straw into each other's <laughs> jugulars. But if one one motherfucker, because there's always one Decides to, decides to shank a liver. Decides that he needs extra gains, Seth. <laughs> it would be Seth, too. Yeah, all I'm saying is, I, I would eat you guys. Seth, I feel like you could last 
but, <laughs> but you could last for so long. You have so much extra mass on. That's you. true. Yeah, but I mean, if it okay, if I waited say four weeks before eating one of you guys, it would take me forever to get those gains back. <laughs> I'm not You're gonna, assuming there's still a gym in this you're not, apocalypse situation. You're not gonna throw away that investment. No, actually, I'm not that's gonna not spend true, though, six Seth. weeks because you're gonna you're gonna have to have gym equipment equivalent to what your gym equipment is currently. Because the only way you can maintain massive musculature is by having a gym and going there for two hours every other day. No, man. Day. By dismembering you guys, I'll get plenty of sort of makeshift dumbbells and stuff. <laughs> No, no, trust me, I've thought this through. It, I guess it would help if we were like in a situation where you could go freeze our limbs then. So you could go like exercise with them in the cold room so they yeah. wouldn't go bad. That's right. We're in an totally. underground bunker with a freezer. Totes my goats, bros. Yeah. A freezer that doesn't already have a bunch of food in it, I guess. In this oh, scenario. yeah. It's an underground freezer, Adam. Come on. <laughs> we get put in it. Nobody stores stuff in underground Dirt. freezers. You think yeah. this is a root cellar? Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that pretty much answers that question. Yeah, I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty, Seth pretty would eat everybody. <laughs> Seth would eat everybody. I'm going to eat everybody. Everybody else can just deal with it. And we might have a blood circle. Uh, otherwise, if I don't eat everybody, we'll all have straws in each other's jugulars. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, this has been Coffee with Butterscotch. Thank you for listening. And if you want to uh, sort of you know, get, jam your straw into the jugular of our community. You we can head should. over to forums.bscotch.net and, uh, you know, join the blood circle. And we also have uh, podcast.bscotch.net where you can ask questions like the ones that we answered today. If you want to, you know, what does it mold the future of Yeah, I mean, our obviously podcasts. the weirder stuff that you ask us, the better. So just, just go do that. And you should go subscribe to this thing on iTunes or... F tunes, G, whatever uh, kind of Stitcher. letter of tunes you listen yeah, to. Yeah, any kind of thing that allows subscribing to podcasts, we're on it, probably. Remember the Gandhi quote as you go about your day, which is be the fucked up zombie question that you would like to see in the world. <laughs> Gandhi said that. Gandhi he totally did. said that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you guys. Well, that is it for Coffee with Butterscotch. And, uh, oh, and of course, as always, go to games.bscotch.net and play the shit out of our games. And They're then good. buy the shit out of them. And then pay us a whole crap load of money. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we will see you next week for episode 26. Goodbye. Bye. Peace.